It's about the journeying, ad vivum, a Latin toast that means to life. Let us journey in a way that we are toasting life. That's what I would say to everybody. Welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where every week you'll hear conversations with experts who are knee-deep in their work to make the world a better place for all of us. These people are tracking some of our world's most vexing problems, and yet they still think that a bright future is possible. We need to see what they see. And that's what this podcast is all about. I found that their insights give us steps that we can take in our own lives to live with more purpose and progress and connection. So welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles, the only place on the internet that's been doing good news about insight and innovation going on celebrated since 2014 with no politics and no ads. We have had no agenda except to prove that it is still an amazing world. And along the way, I've talked to thought leaders all over the world who put one foot in front of the other every day with a kind of optimism that's way important for us all to know about. Their perspectives can help us live better lives. And today I have someone that you are going to so enjoy. Today we're going to meet Tanya Carrier. She's an expert on what does it really mean to live life to the fullest. She moved from an international career in organizational development to a personal leadership offering. She decided that it served her, her own heart and what makes her soar to help individuals find a way to live their life in the best way they could possibly live. She's all about personal growth and, and leadership, whether that means in your working life or your family, all about living well. She runs a retreat company called Advivum Journeys, which means to life, like the toast. <laughs> Advivum, I think that's, what do we say when we toast to life? Welcome, Tanya. <laughs> Thanks so much, Linda. It's so lovely just to hear you talk about the goodness that there is in the world. I'm sitting here just beaming and smiling. I absolutely agree with you. We need more, more chances to share with one another these things that light us up. And there are many. I simply agree with you. There just are not enough opportunities where we sit down and say, tell me all that's good. Instead of, you know, tell me what you heard on the gossip. So thank you so much for creating this space. Well, I'll say you and I have connections with two other thought leaders that are really important in our lives that we've also interviewed on this podcast, Chip Conley and DeWitt Jones, who I would start start out this podcast referring people to. After you hear Tanya speak, you will understand how discerning she is about her incoming. I think you are very, very good at something I keep talking about on the podcast, how it's time for us to all curate our incoming. <laughs> who we're spending our time with, what we listen to, what we allow to shape our, our perspective and our future. So give me more depth on what exactly you do so people understand why all this is so important for us to, to connect about. Yeah, I really, I love that, Linda. We are so called, I think now more than ever, to really craft our experience. The, our life is our experience. And I really hold as a fundamental belief that we're responsible for crafting how we experience and what influences our life. And everything that we come in touch with does that. So my work is really around helping people put themselves in a place of discovery. Discovery for me is one of my greatest passions. And knowing that I can help someone leverage how to be in discovery means that I can help them be in a choice position for how they want to live. So I work, I do that, you know, as a coach, one-on-one with people. I do that with people on retreat, very particular kinds of retreats, 
where I believe if we have crafted the whole environment, the nature of the questions, the the quest that you are on, then I can really create a space for people to come up with discoveries, or as I like to say, epiphanies that will help. You know, if you change your life just by one degree today, in 10 days, 10 years, that one degree shift is an entirely different trajectory. And that excites me to no end. And I really think I'm not going to leave those one degrees up to just anybody to come in and turn my dial. It's me. I am always going to be shifting that to find, you know, my next trajectory. What's going to make me live my life to the fullest? Because in the end, that's all that matters. And fullest, you know, requires a lot of attention. No one else can know for me what will bring meaning, what will bring purpose, what will bring a sense of self, a sense of knowing and calling. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I've been writing as fast as you can. If, if uh, on the video recording of this interview, people see me looking down. It's not that I'm checking my text. We talked yesterday. I'm just going to own this, Tanya. Tanya and I t- chatted yesterday and it was supposed to be like a 20 minute call. And we were on the phone for almost 90 minutes. It was so fun. <laughs> And, oh, we were comparing so many notes and there's so much overlap. And I think that overlap comes from the fact that there are some, I don't want to say universal truths, but some paths that have been successful for thousands of years for human beings. They usually involve kindness. They usually involve thoughtful, being thoughtful about what you do next. And I'd like to make a little synopsis for folks about the three parts of the journey that this conversation is going to have, because you've already mentioned all three. And, and I, w- I want people to know what's coming because this is such a, an important interview and, and I, I know that you're going to give people all kinds of new insights that they can use every day. So the f- first section of this way of thinking about our lives and getting to living fully is about choice, about recognizing that we have so many choices every day. The second part is about this, this discovery mode that you're going to talk about, how we get in that mindset of discovery. And the third one is epiphany. I think you've already dropped that word as well, which are these moments of peak experience where we have an aha that changes everything. My producer probably laughing in the background because I'm very famous in my family and with my team for almost every day saying, this changes everything. <laughs> I have it written on the door of my office because I do, I do seek knowledge so hard and, and religiously that I do have these moments almost every day where I think, oh my God, I didn't know that yesterday. And now this changes everything. So let's take people on a bit of a journey here. People need to, we all need to be reminded that we have a choice every day in mm. about a thousand choices. We're not the victims of circumstance, almost never, actually. So talk to us about choice. I really, for me, that is a fundamental belief and um, fundamental to my work, but also to my life. I think that, you know, I hear and I've experienced this, you know, this feeling that many people have. They say, well, that's the way that I am. You know, I just had to do it. Well, that was expected of me. That is who I should be. My experience is actually that is not true. And I was really fortunate to learn this really early on in my life. In my 20s, early 20s, I went over to Paris and I was, uh, you know, just this classic trip of tired, exhausted because I had finished my degrees. I had done as I should. I had a job, but you know, it wasn't really all that fulfilling. I had a boyfriend and we broke up. I was suffering from being a perfectionist, really trying to achieve the goals that everybody else had set. So I took myself on this pity party trip to Paris. And the most wonderful thing happened as I was on this train. It was a really long train ride and pulling into the station. My stuff is scattered all over the car. You know, my books and my journal and my pens and my sweater and my hat and all this stuff. And I'm looking as I'm collecting all of this stuff. You have to pack your backpack 
perfectly, right? Or we'll never all but fit back in. So I'm looking at out the street as I'm packing and I'm imagining all the people who live here, who are probably happier than I am, you know, who are in great relationships, who feel good about themselves, who are laughing, who, and I'm imagining all these other people who don't have the pressures that I have, so I imagine. And I wonder what it would be like to live like them, to be them. And as I'm packing this stuff up, I have this sudden moment of, well, what if I don't pack up the part of me that is full of anxiety, the part of me that is so worried about being perfect that she forgets to laugh or to live, the part of me that really succumbs to all of the shoulds, who I should be as a woman, who I should be as a daughter, who I should be as an employee. What if I leave her on the on the train and I just walk off and I become this sort of free gypsy woman that laughs and just has fun because nobody here in Paris knows me. So no one's going to look at me and go, uh, Tanya, are you all right? This is not who you normally are. And that's exactly what I did. I stepped off that train and I remember so clearly I walked over to a fountain where there was a cafe because there always is, you know, within 20 feet of you. And I sat down and I flirted with myself and I flirted with my cafe au lait and I flirted with the waiter and I flirted with the trees. And I was just like this sense of I could be this woman. Everybody thinks I already am. Nobody knows that I'm not her. And it was a clear epiphany moment. There is a choice to be made here. There is no reason that I stay as that other woman. I can bring this woman back home with me. And so I did. And that was really the beginning of this, you know, that one degree shift was the beginning of a whole career that I couldn't even envision or articulate at that time. It was the beginning of a whole new collection of friends, a whole new collection of wonderful people like yourself. Here you are, that many points further along this same arc that happened when I decided to choose to live the life I wanted to live. So I do believe choice is exceedingly important. And I don't know where we talk about that. Where do we talk about who I chose to be today? I wish there were more places. You know, yesterday you told me that story and I wrote down a quote from you, which I, I love to give people, you know, here's what you do next. Like this, (laughs) this is a great one. Here's what you do next with the story that Tanya just told us. Mm -hmm. She said to me at one point, what am I choosing now? Mm -hmm. I love that simple sentence. What we can all do next after you're sharing that, that insightful story with us is that we can ask ourselves all the time, more often, what am I choosing now? Your teenager does something right in front of you that makes you crazy. Your, your boss, your coworker, you know, whatever it is, the, the plumber doesn't show up, you know, what am I choosing now? Am I choosing anger? Am I choosing all the different things that we could be choosing? And of course, the next question is probably, what am I missing now? (laughs) But just to ask yourself and pause and ask yourself, what am I choosing now is the kind of self-awareness that can get us to living a fuller life. Because we stop and ask that question. We are, it's just, it would be just like you did. You decided to leave that other woman on the train Mm -hmm. and you stepped off and chose to be something else. I love that story. And I, I want to share a 1% shift um, analogy that I think, you know, most of us have quite high expectations for ourselves. And my brother's a pilot for Southwest Airlines. And he has reminded me that if, if he starts out in New York City, and he's 1% off on his calculation, and he's headed to the West Coast, 1% over 4,000 <laughs> miles, is going to have him end up in in Seattle instead of LA, right? I love it. I yeah, love it. that's a really important way to think about how important that one percent is, because over time it's compounding itself to have have us end up in a completely different place than we probably. Well, and I think it's all it's so encouraging because so many people also think of when I'm 
trying to create the life that I want, I need to change everything 100% right from now. And that's overwhelming and daunting. And of course it is. I mean, who, who would recommend that strategy? That, that, I mean, that's extreme. Just like there are extreme sports, which some people will do. There are extreme life changes, which some people will do. But it's really not recommended as a daily activity. The 1% change is where we're going. Right. It's 20 minutes of yoga, not, you know, okay, let's let's suddenly go into extreme yoga for eight hours. So it's so important, I think, to sort of go, what is what is the little one percent? I'm going after one percent today. I mean, maybe it's just wake up and and ask myself, well, who do I want to be now? Now, who do I want to be now? Who do I want to be in this relationship or in this conversation with myself or That's why I think morning practices like journaling are so important because that's where we often can capture the 1%, you know, the small little shift that we're hoping to make that day. Gratitude practices are the same thing. They're they're about the 1%. Can I hold myself in this space of deep reverence for something, gratitude for something? And just allow that to play in the baseline of what's happening today. You know, it reminds me of a, of a great business thought leader named Donald Miller. Have you ever heard of Donald Miller? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he, he has this, um, this way that you look at your day and he has a day planner that he, that he recommends. And um, part of, the, of that day planner is that you start out your day and you pick your three major things you got to get done and all that. But there's another part where you have to say, if I were to live this day over again, what would I do differently? But you haven't lived it yet. <laughs> so it's part of, it's kind of like on a, on a practical side of journaling. If you're not in a mind to, to journal, as I'm sure Tanya um, recommends and teaches people to journal, just for us practical sorts, I, I do that, that part of what he's suggesting. And it makes me behave differently as the day goes by. Because I think yeah. about what I, what I would have done had I not made the choice, had I not been conscious about the I also have people, when they're journaling, think about three things that you can predict, you know, with, with a high degree of confidence uh-huh. are going to happen today that will fill you with joy. They'll be your yay moments, you know, and think of them now. And then when they happen, make sure you say yay. You know, this is a yay moment. And then tonight, when you're looking back over your day, remember those three things where you were like, yeah, that was that moment when, you know, my daughter showed up and we had a cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be a big, you know, huge thing. And when this happened and that happened, and I find that the most practical way to integrate gratitude into my day so that gratitude doesn't become just this, I don't know, I can't quite grasp where I'm at, you know, this state of being. It's actually, you know, a a tactical thing that I'm practicing. That's my favorite gratitude practice. Oh, that is a good, a good practical one. Okay, we'll make sure that's in the show notes just to remind people. Yeah. So you talk about, you talk about fundamental questions. Tell us about the fundamental Mm. questions. Mm. I think that questions are really so important and being willing to ask ourselves questions is important. But there's sort of two categories of questions. There's the questions that we frame that are about our external world and how we can understand it. And then there are the questions that get asked over and over in ourselves. And I see when I'm working with people that they all come down to some fundamental questions, you know, all the quests that we're on. Am I worthy? Huge question. Am I worthy? Do I feel that I am worthy of this relationship, of this ask, of this moment, of this dream? It's a big question that we carry. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? When people are in argument or holding different fundamental beliefs and start sort of chatting with one another in an abrasive manner, I always listen for the wish underneath, which is, do you hear me? Not do you agree with me? Do you hear me? Right. And then another fundamental question 
which I think is at the heart of so much of what drives us is, will you choose me? Will you choose me? And those are such vulnerable questions, but I think they underpin so many of our choices, so many of our anxieties. And I just find it's really important to be able to hear ourselves ask those questions. You know, they're not, they're hard to discuss, and but that they're often what drives a lot of our behavior, you know? So it's so funny, you know, a little argument about, I don't know, where should we put the garbage pails? Should be they be at the side of the house or at the in the little alcove? And this argument that my husband and I are having about and I are having about garbage pails is really not an argument about the garbage pails. It's about do you hear me? Mm-hmm. Do you hear that I have a need? Do you mm-hmm. hear that I have a want? Right? And it's and if I could bring myself to that. We wouldn't waste our time on a really nonsensical conversation that, you know, the next day we look at each other and go, really? That took up 20 minutes? So, so and there's two, two sides questions. to that question. Don't you think there's two sides to that question, too? Because that's the courtesy uh, that we should be giving others is that to make sure they feel heard when we're absolutely right. It's not just us asking ourselves you know, do you hear me? It's, it's us knowing that's, that's what the other person needs to understand from us to be able to move on or to, you know, repair or to collaborate. They need to feel yes. like we heard them and that we chose them. I, I love that. I love that little notion too. I think it's really important with teenagers to feel like we hear them and we choose them because it's so easy to alienate teenagers. Yeah. I think when we accept that it's a universal, these are universal questions, Mm -hmm. then it really does become our responsibility to hear ourselves. So it's my responsibility in that conversation to go, wow, this is not about the garbage cans, but about my feeling that I'm not being heard. Why? Hmm, I need to put that. That's my work. That's not anybody else's work. But then, oh, if this is a universal conversation, then, huh, chances are you have this need to be heard in this moment, right? That's also my work. I also have to stand for that. It's a certain level of accountability. Again, going back to if I am responsible for crafting, right, for curating the experience of living my life to the fullest. I'm responsible for that. No one owes me that. Mm-hmm. It means that then I have to do the work for me and I have to have that same consideration for everybody else that I am in partnership with. Mm-hmm. And all these involve, back to our overarching theme in this part of the chat, is it's, it's about it being, being making a conscious choice, not just going along on autopilot. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about Yesterday, we were talking about, you know, the barrage of information that comes in, you know, and really having the discipline. I think there's discipline required, but also there's an art, you know, we're curating. What do I want to allow to come into my bubble? You know, that ticker tape that plays at the bottom, is that really the most important information that should influence you? The conversation that you're overhearing, the emotion that you're standing in, we can curate all of that. And we can curate by keeping some things out and just saying, you know, this news talk radio that just filled me with an hour and a half of angst and fear. I'm not sure that that's the one degree shift that I was looking for today, but also I can curate in podcasts like this or experiences that fill me with delight and joy. Yeah, I curate those in. That is the one degree shift I'm looking for. And that goes back to your planner. You know, those should be the things that we color code in our planner and sort of go back and say, am I happy with the curation of this day? This is dancing around something else that I wrote down yesterday that you said that I think is such a fabulous quote. You reminded me that that we also have the ability to not only ask ourselves, what am I choosing now? But I love the second one. This cannot be my final answer. 
<laughs> I love that. Like, like when I'm arguing with my husband or frustrated with something with my team or right now there's something going on on the farm. By the way, this, this background behind me is the real background. This is the family farm. People always ask me that because it looks, it looks like some fabulous artificial background. Um, but there's a, something going on in the family farm over there and I get to choose how I perceive that and then what I do next and all that. So I love this when we're in a funk or when we're furious or all the different negative emotions we can have, we can say to ourselves, this cannot be my final answer. Yeah, absolutely. It never is, which is liberating. It's daunting sometimes, a little scary, but also very liberating. So just hold on. This is not the final answer. So that Just leads to that on. that leads to that second thing I think if if this if it, if we can say to ourselves ah this negative state that I'm in right now this cannot be my final answer about my teenager about my work about whatever then that leads to the second major category that we should talk about which is this getting into discovery mindset absolutely so I talk think to us that- all about that well, choice, you know, if, if we started with choice and the important importance of choice, choice can't happen unless we have discovery and then we have epiphany because those are what let, allow us to make a different choice. So for me, discovery is allowing myself to be in this place of either no expectation or the, the converse is, is that I have an expectation that everything is an unknown, that everything is not known. It's not knowable. It will be new today. It will not be the same as what happened yesterday. I will not be the same as who I was yesterday. My choices won't be the same. You know, it's why I have such a passion for travel because I think that is sometimes the easiest way. And so when I say travel, it can be to a different country, but it can be just as you've done to the family farm. You are now in a different environment. It is allowing you to see yourself, your family, your thoughts differently, right? You are expecting it to be an unknown. And I think discovery is really an expertise that we all have to refine, right? Can I be aware of what's happening in this moment? Can I hold myself open to a new experience? And for me, I like to say, can I look out of my side eye? Because when I'm looking for answers, when I'm trying hard to find what I'm looking for, I often miss all of the little bits of magic or information that are coming in from the side. I've experienced that very in a very real way. I'm sure everyone's had this experience of being lost, even though it's really impossible these days to be lost because you have a GPS and a phone and right, everything else is with you. But I was in Italy and I was trying to get to my Airbnb and I, I don't know, the little blue dot was not bringing me to the door and I kept, you know, going around in weird circles and I was passing this big statue fountain. I recognized like that was a, a place that I kept going by and I kept going by this cafe with this couple who I watched them progressively eat their lunch because I went by so many times and I was lost and in my mind I was lost. I was lost. I finally called the guy. The door was like not two minutes away. I just kept walking by it. And I realized that this whole time, because I was so focused on lost and so focused on seeing a door in a certain way, that I was missing the fact that the door looked different. It was right there, side eye, you know, but I was missing it. It was also missing the fact that I kept walking by the very things that later that afternoon I was going to go see on my little map of things to notice in this village, the fountain with the dude, you know, the little cafe on the beautiful street. Everything was there. I was so focused on the refrain and trying to answer the question in the way it should be answered. So from that, I learned to say, I'm just not found yet. I'm not lost. I'm just not found yet, which shifted me now into a completely different place of discovery. 
If I'm not found yet, then what's the little breadcrumb I'm supposed to see? You know, why didn't I just stand with that statue and enjoy it? It was on my list of things to see anyways. Why didn't I stop and have lunch, for goodness sakes? It looks so good. I could actually introduce myself to that couple because I think by the end they knew me. (laughs) Uh, So side eye noticing, I think, is so important in discovery. I could have seen the door if I said, what does a door in Italy look like? And by the way, it looks like a big, huge red gate. It doesn't look like a door. Yes. You know? yes. So anyway. <laughs> well, that goes back to expectations. Yesterday we were talking, and, and here's another thing you said. You said, when I stop looking at the pixels, I can see the big picture. Yeah. And it's very, very easy for us to focus on individual pixels. And, you know, is this right? Is she saying the right thing? Is he doing the right thing? Is to all these little things that our sort of mental chatter is focused on what's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this picture? And we're looking at all these individual pixels. But you pointed out that if we stop having expectations that every little pixel should be in some order that we've gotten fixated in our minds, then we can see the big picture. I really like that concept. And couldn't we afford that kind of compassion to people as well? You know, people's positions on things or people's behaviors one day. And yes, I'm all about, of course, managing boundaries and having great respect for self and other, but also we can hold compassion for one another and say, you know, this little pixelated moment that I'm experiencing this person in, you know, is that really the big picture of this person? Is it, Could I just understand that maybe in this moment, they're having a moment, they just had an argument with their husband about the garbage can, and now they're arriving to me in this slightly flustered place, you know, is it about the pixel of that moment, or can I take a deep breath and say, you know, who do I know Linda to be? Ah, yes, I do know her to be a woman of compassion. So what's going on in this little pixelated moment? You know, maybe we don't even need to talk about it. We can just say, hey, deep breath and on we go. So I wish we had more of that with one another. I look at what we've been through in the United States with the level of division that we've had. And something came to me a couple of years ago that I I really... um, double down on. I love to have these chats with thought leaders around the world because they seem to, so the best thought leaders in the world at ever widening circles, where we write about people who are solving some of the most vexing problems in the world, ever widening circles is not, you know, puppies and mailbox stories. These are people who have discovered that we can save all the remaining rainforests with an old cell phone. It's that that's an incredible story or that single mothers make the best game wardens in Africa for a host of reasons that'll knock your socks off. So it's these kind of articles we write over at Everwinding Circles. And I tell you, it's always someone who comes up with a successful win that doesn't need an enemy. The idea is so good. They don't have to have an enemy to have it, you know, reflect some its magnitude. So I, I love this. If we go into every situation, we, well, here's another quote. You say, I go expecting that everything is unknown. Now, that is a great way. You said a lot of cool things yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> on fire. <laughs> you were. And I just love this quote too. I'm, I'm hoping the podcast producers will put these things that I'm really highlighting definitely in the show notes so that everyone can reflect back on them in the Everwiding Circles article that will be about this, this interview. This is huge. I go expecting that everything is an unknown. If we can do that with our interactions with others, with our trip to a new restaurant, with our, you know, travel plan or whatever, gosh, it, we, and we're in that discovery mode. It's our expectations that usually defeat us. Yes. You know, when things don't, when we're married to an outcome, this is what I always say, when we're married to an outcome, <laughs> the odds that it, things turn out the way we imagined are almost zero. And so... And that expectation that everything is an unknown then turns into the invitation that I can extend myself. If it's unknown, then what is there to learn? What am I meant to discover right now? 
What am I meant to lean into? It's unknown. I believe that every moment, every interaction has, and I'm on a, a full life scavenger hunt. So everything has something for me, something for me to, to be able to spot and collect. But in order to do that, I have to be in that position of holding myself open to the unknown and then hold myself to this, what can I learn? That's my job, to try and find what I can learn, to try and notice the learning moment or the epiphany moment, right? And I think, I sort of think of epiphanies, for me, they're, you know, epiphanies, they're sometimes just little ahas, sometimes they're, huh, you know, and sometimes they're like, holy, oh my goodness, that is going to just knock off the top of my head. I have to go lie down, you know, so that to be on that whole range. But for me, they, if I had to draw you an epiphany, I would draw a little firefly. Because if you've seen fireflies, you can never look at a firefly and see it for a long time. It emerges and then it falls away. You know, it emerges and falls away. And that is really something that I notice is important in when I'm trying to be in a learning point. <laughs> Should yeah. we just pause for a moment? Yes. And, I'm you know, just and that, hearing a lot of chatter behind you, Linda. Yeah. So, let me, <laughs> yeah. Let me just a second. I've got people yeah. coming and going. Yeah. Um, so we pause there a second because it's it's interesting what Tanya is, is commenting on is about expectations. And I'm here on the family farm and so many things are going on around me. You saw me wave a moment ago. That's people coming and going from my cabin to get their breakfast. Now we have big, huge equipment starting up right over there. My husband's shouting on the telephone. <laughs> now, you know, it's perfect. I, well, I could choose to be very frustrated and, you know, be shouting out, demands, or I can just own it in this moment and just know that, you know, this is like, and this is one of the things, Tanya, I'm really, really delighted about the pandemic is we've stopped expecting perfection in yeah. moments and from others. So yes. we're going to move on to this epiphany thing. <laughs> this, this epiphany section is, is what we want to finish big on in this interview. We're going to take a break and tell you about a wonderful event that Ever Widening Circles is holding uh, in October. And um, when we come back, we'll talk about Epiphany and, I'll, uh, and just, we'll just own the commotion that's going on around us and know that this is part of farm life and I'm here and Tanya's there and you're where you are and we're all connecting despite anything that we might have that's irregular or imperfect. Do you thrive on learning from and collaborating with others for the good that's in the world? And becoming a better version of yourself, both personally and professionally, every day? We have built something just for you. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network. You can be a part of the first networking platform that prioritizes personal and professional growth as we work together to make the world a better place. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network is a vetted platform of entrepreneurs, creatives, and professionals who are committed to making the future brighter for us all, people like you. On the network, you can ask questions and find help with projects, share trusted resources, request and attempt workshops, expand your network of thought leaders, and learn from the experience of others to catalyze your work, interests, and passion projects. This is a place where all of us who are doing something to improve the world, large and small, can flourish. The $35 a month membership fee includes attendance to exclusive monthly happiness hours, where you can hear from amazing speakers and influencers. It includes participation in monthly community challenges that will improve your own life and the world around you. You'll have access to the network's mentor match service to grow exponentially in your insight and decision-making. And you'll get automatic discounts on all of our courses and events. So join us, co-conspirators for goodness around the world. Those who are doing anything they can to make the world a better place are coming together on this network to collaborate, and it is time we find each other. 
go to conspiracyofgoodnessnetwork.com for a simple three-step questionnaire to apply to be a member today. Let's connect, collaborate, and change the future. Okay, we're back. I, Tanya, we're going to really flesh this out about what this looks like to live a life of purpose and meaning and a full life. So we've talked about how important it is to recognize that we have a choice, that we are choosing every minute, you know, what we focus on, what we decide is true or not true, and then what we decide to try and discover. Well, that's a part of a journey. That second part after the learning that we have a choice is that sense of discovery, just to be in discovery as you as you call it. And if we can get those two things right, <laughs> we're going to have moments of epiphany. So let's talk about this. I call these peak moments for myself, like these moments where that I'm just shot up to the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid. Talk to us about, if you can get those other two things going, talk to us about epiphanies. Yeah. So you're right. So choice being fundamental, knowing that I have it. I think also the important thing about choice, when we talk about living life to its fullest, it's not my definition. It's each of our definition. I define mine, you define yours. And so we're on a quest every day. That's why we're in discovery of what would it mean for me to live my life to my fullest today, my success success measures. Whatever was important to me when I was 20 was absolutely correct for when I was 20, but didn't carry through to 25, to 30, to 35, and so on and so forth. And certainly here at 52 aren't the things that I'm still striving for. So that's why we are making choices and why we're in discovery. What will it mean to be at my fullest today? What is meant to inform me? And for me, you know, what is the degree of delight that I can enjoy. Now that's for me, that might not be a part of your fullest, right? Everybody has to to define for themselves what it is that they are striving for. Then the epiphany. The epiphany is what feels like those little fireflies that just suddenly light up and then dissipate. And you can't you expect that when I look back in that place, that firefly will still be there, right? So epiphanies require that we really tune in because I believe that we have more than we actually capture. And how do we get there? I think that we need conditions that create epiphanies, conditions that usually involve lots of different experience and information. If I'm tracking on the same thing all the time, you're not going to be creating this sense of heightened awareness or this sense of discovery, but also being able to hold our big questions as a baseline, as opposed to a primary focus. So again, when I was looking for the door, I didn't see the door, right? Often the answers come in the side, right? It's why you have epiphanies in the shower. You're not usually thinking about the thing in the shower. You're thinking about whatever, and you're like, oh, that's it, you know, or sitting on the dock. It just kind of happens in these alternate side view moments. So I think it's important to know that we have to be in these different experiences, hearing different things, meeting different people, having conversations without expectation so that you can get to that, huh, I didn't know that. I never thought of that before. That's not how I think of things. Wow, that's what should follow those realizations is, wow, not judgment. You might choose to hold a different opinion. Fair enough. But go first with, wow, wow, how is that possible? Wow, what would it be like to be standing there listening with that kind of point of view? Wow. And so wow often leads to some kind of epiphany moment Mm -hmm. when we can get into that place of awe or that place of wonder. These are all my favorite words. I love this idea 
maybe I'll do that this weekend, writing up all my favorite words on the walls around me, you know, <laughs> have them just inspire me every day. <laughs> Well, you know, and that is a mindset, you know, that that open mindset, you know, and there are countless little funny expressions, but you know, when, when you're ready to hear the next message, you'll hear the next message or when the student is ready, the teacher will appear or on and on they go. But it's a, it's a mindset of openness. Maybe even yesterday when we were talking, you told this wonderful story about how a lot of epiphanies come out of discomfort. And if, oh, we're, yeah. if all we're doing is seeking comfort, seeking happiness, seeking, if all we're doing is just, is just being like a heat missile for everything that makes us more comfortable and more happy, we're probably going to have uh, all kinds of expectations built up so much that we can't even see the wonder that's around us. Tell the story, the bacon and egg story, because I think we've all been, <laughs> <laughs> we've all been this person. But I, and I would love for every single person who listens to this, this podcast to recognize when they're being the bacon and eggs guy, <laughs> jump out of it. Yeah, we've all been the bacon and eggs guy sometime during COVID. I'm sure of it. Yeah. I'm sure this has all happened to us. So I was, yes, uh, traveling, uh, working with a client. We were in Paris and we had daily check-ins, morning check-ins, coaching check-ins. And so... Day three in particular, I noticed in general, people are pretty irritable when we do <laughs> work together because now, you know, things are itchy. They're not the same. And in this case, we're also jet lagged. So that makes us all the more itchy. And this gentleman was just on a rant on how he could not get decent bacon and eggs in Paris and what was wrong with Paris that it wasn't serving bacon and eggs and who was not bright enough to do bacon and eggs and I stopped and I said my friend we are in Paris we are in the country of the most awesome coffee and croissant and it will change your life what are you not seeing because you are so insistent that you stay within the comfort of what you know. His expectation was in order to achieve this day well, I need to set myself up in what I know to be true. And I'm like, well, you don't know that to be true in Paris. You know it to be true in your home in the States. We do awesome bacon and eggs. You are right. And it was so in that moment that he realized, wow, I walk into every business meeting with the same level of expectation that I get what I'm expecting in the way I'm expecting it. And I walk into my family weekends with the same level of expectation that we do our activities in the way that I know them so that I can enjoy them. And, I, and he translated it across all areas of his life. And I was like, how many things have you missed? How many moments of coffee and croissant have you missed in your life because you were insisting on the bacon and eggs? And, you know, bacon and eggs outside of the right environment are usually not all that great, you know? And in COVID times, we all wanted Christmas to be Christmas and Thanksgiving to be Thanksgiving and our funerals and our celebrations and we wanted them to be the way they were. But in our place of discomfort, when we tried to figure out how do we do a Zoom wedding, you know, it was uncomfortable. We discovered beautiful things. I hosted a Zoom wedding for one of my dear friends. And what she and her now husband had the gift of was seeing everybody arrive online. And I invited them each to check in and how were they feeling and were they excited and why did they feel today was beautiful? And they got to hear all the chat that normally happens, you know, whether it's outside of the church or in the park, that the bride and groom never hear because they're sequestered somewhere. And they got to see all the faces and they got to see everyone tear up. And they got to hear everybody's joy, you know, and it was because of the discomfort of weddings on Zoom that led to this aha, this epiphany moment of oh, what's important is actually hearing what's in people's hearts 
it was awesome. So it was a lovely illustration. If we let go of this expectation, we get into the itchy, you know, this doesn't feel good. We then can transcend into, wow, what is emerging? What is there here to hear and learn? What can I take away? Epiphany moment. I hope that there is never a wedding from here forward where we don't actually capture all the thoughts and emotions of everyone showing up for this couple. That is such a great example. This choice, discovery, epiphany scenario. Lovely, lovely example. And I I hope people leave this podcast not necessarily looking for these opportunities because that's a bit of a tricky scenario too. You can sort of overforce this and then it becomes harder and harder. You really just have to live life with choice, consciously one step, one foot in front of the other. And then at least in my own experience, it sounds like yours, these things pop up in front of you. And then you you have to be looking at your, with your side eye to notice them, right? So there's, there's the progression. So there was a couple things before we wrap up here that we have to touch on that we talked about yesterday. I loved our conversation about that questions should leave you considering, not answering. Mm. So we had quite a bit of discussion about asking better questions and being okay with the mystery, not necessarily having to come up with solid answers, but being comfortable with, with just one good question leads to another, leads to another. So talk to us about how just asking better questions are, and more questions and being okay in those unanswered things. Yeah, I just noticed that we have this, we've placed great value on quick answers or short answers, right? Tweets, I I can get it out there. And, you know, I think every tweet should be a question instead of a definitive, you know? It's like the best questions, wouldn't the best moment when you got together with friends be when someone asked a question and everyone around the table with their cup of coffee or their glass of wine just kind of went oh wow yeah hmm I don't know I have to think about that like that's chewy that means we're going somewhere that we actually want to to be considered in and that we have to sort of check in and check with one other. And then we're going to pass it around the table and say, well, I don't know. What about this? What about that? And, and can we stay in the land of questions? Because ultimately we're not going to live well if we're just moving into answers. Answers are like dead ends for me. You know, if it's a definitive, it's over. It's like, oh, check mark, but done, right? Turn it off. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want that to be, you know, the way that I am living life. I want, I really think as a coach, I often say the moments you pay me for are the questions that we come to that leave you just going, right, I'm going to come back to you in a while. I need to go discover that, chew on that, see what the world thinks about that. I'm going to go, you know, interview people about that. That's where we should be. So, yeah, I, I don't know who I need to to ask that all tweets become questions, but I think that that would just shift everything for us. And question is an invitation. And an invitation is what we should be extending to one another and to ourselves. An invitation. You know, that that goes back to that, you know, when we can change division to discovery notion. When we feel that moment, that moment when we tense up and we want to defend our, our team or we want to make some definitive statement about what we know, what, what our life experience has taught us. I found that when I posit something to my brother who thinks completely differently than me politically, when I posit things to him as a question, you know, when I'm truly curious, you know, you think this way and I couldn't think further from that. Tell me how you came to that. I'm very... I really want to know. And, and I don't, I'm not asking that so that I can get to say my answer. This is the key, right? How often do we ask questions just to be able to say our answer? No, 
(laughs) You just have to listen. And we have grown so much closer since I decided to adopt that way of understanding how he could think so differently than me just two years apart or less and growing up in a really tight family and stuff. And now I appreciate, you know, he's, he's left me with questions. I thought my answers were totally. So one of the things we talked about was that back again, this cannot be my final answer. It's this life of constant expansion, you know, constant growth, constant transformation of what we think is true or what we think is possible. One of the last questions I love to ask my, my guests is, I'm sure that you can envision a future for us all that, that we can't see yet because of your level of expertise. And I think you're you know, going from the world of organizational development and international business to working on personal development. I'm sure you see a future that the rest of us can't see. Like, and I always like to ask my guests, <laughs> what do we need to know? Like, what, what do you say to yourself sometimes in the darkness of the night? If they only knew this, then we could get things going in the right direction. What, what comes to mind when I pose that question to you? You know, I, I wish I had some artistic talent. What is really coming to me, I, I need a graphic artist to paint this for me. It's a choice between two panels. One panel, it's a black dot, which is the period at the end of the sentence. One black dot. And the other one is, you know, when you look through those, as kids, we had them, these kaleidoscopes, and you turn them and all of these colors sort of constantly fall into one another. So that's the other dot is this kaleidoscope color. And I think we spend so much of our lives going after the black dot, the period at the end of the sentence, the confirmation of what I know, of who I am, of it is true, of I'm there now, of I succeeded, top of the mountain, whatever it is, black dot, boom. When really what we want is the kaleidoscope, the kaleidoscope that is always shifting, moving, colorful, inspiring. It's not meant to be a full stop. It's just meant to be this awe-inspiring journey. And I believe that if we could hold that, then everything that we are experiencing becomes something we are moving through. We experience people as people we are moving with. and They're not to know or not know, to judge, to agree with that. We are in this evolution, this journey together. And here we go. And that's why I named my company Advivum Journeys. It's about the journeying, Advivum, a Latin toast that means to life. Let us journey in a way that we are toasting life. That's what I would say to everybody. That is so lovely. That is such a great note to finish up on. So we're going to just let that sit, that thought. And I hope our listeners will just take in that last two minutes of Tanya's insights from time to time, maybe just go back. I mean, we've, we've talked about a lot here and the show notes down below are going to contain everything. We talked about the hero's journey yesterday. We didn't get to that. I'm going to put a link to the hero's journey and, and Joseph Campbell down there. Two, I know that people are going to want to continue their journey with your insights and and so forth. So where is the best place for people to reach you? Of course, it's going to be in the show notes, but share that with us for people that may be driving or walking. I love being in conversation and in discovery. Uh, If that hasn't become clear, (laughs) I'll state it one more time. So I invite people to join me every month. I host field trips where we get on and play with these concepts. I run them like little workshops. They're free. They're a place of community. We welcome everyone. So anybody who's curious, join. Of course, uh, that's essentially an online, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So those are all virtual. So, and we have people come from all around the world, which was so exciting. It just makes that kaleidoscope just all the more brilliant. So you come to the website, which is at Vivum Journeys, 
com. So as you said in the show notes, and I work as a coach. So if you really want to explore and embed some of these things, that's one way. Or when you feel comfortable traveling again, come on retreats. We're opening them up in Baja, in England, in France, all over the world. Because I really think that to travel is to get out of our bacon and eggs, you know, to leave everything that we know and step into another space, which means we can step into another version of ourselves. So, and you know what? I'm also just someone who loves, loves people. So email me anytime. I'm here open, hoping. Ah, this is just lovely. Thank you so much for sharing this little window of possibility for us. As we've said, everything will be in the show notes. And remember to check out the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. So, People like Tanya are coming together. We have created a social media network at Everwidening Circles called the Conspiracy of Goodness Network, where folks who want to see a better world, who want to live with purpose, who want to live to the fullest, can find each other. Because this, we haven't talked about it. We've talked a lot about personal perspective, but coming together with other people who are in the same mindset as us can be such a multiplier. So um, I'm hoping you're going to find a lot of folks that share your enthusiasm for the kind of things that Tanya shared with us today over there at the Conspiracy of Goodness Network. And as always, dive into the articles at everwideningcircles.com. There you will find a world of possibility that we aren't hearing nearly enough of on the evening news. And I hope all these connections to goodness and progress will carry you through your work week and you'll start finding the kind of joy and wonder that Tanya and I have been talking about. Thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. And, you know, thank you for today, but thank you for the movement that you are creating. I really do believe when we join up together, we create a chorus of voices. We create our own kaleidoscopes. And that is just so exciting to me. So my deepest gratitude for the work that you're doing. Well, we will continue on in many different iterations and we will hold the insights that you just shared with us as out in front because that's that's gonna lead us forward together. Okay, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.